Hello and welcome to The Widow Podcast. I am your host, Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I am a widow, a mum, a health coach, a life coach and grief coach. I want to help you see that you really can create something truly meaningful after loss. You have everything you need within you and I want to help you find it so you can see how capable and amazing you really are. Helping you find a more positive way through your grief. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Widow Podcast. This week I have a very special guest for you, the lovely Jess. You probably know her as the singing widow from Instagram who does some amazing reels. Absolutely incredible. I just, I don't know where you get your ideas from. You're clearly very creative, Jess. I love it. But Jess has come along to talk to us today to share a little bit about her story and talk about finding love and being a remarried widow she gets a lot of questions asked about this so welcome Jess thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it oh bless you so should we start with with your story um and tell us a little bit about you know your your loss your your husband Justin and and how you sort of came into the world of widowhood Yeah. So, um, me and Justin were married for 10 years. We were high school sweethearts. Um, actually I was like in middle school when I started seeing Justin and, uh, we just knew we were going to get married and have this wonderful life together. And we did. Um, he was a amazing, an amazing guitar player. And my mom was a choir teacher. So I grew up singing and we just kind of like, went together, you know, because we were musicians and started playing music together. And um, so that was kind of our life for 10 years. We got married. Um, I actually graduated high school, engaged. We got married a year after I graduated. We were married for 10 years, played music together, wrote music together. Um, You know, we wanted to be rock stars. And, um, And then about 10 years later, I decided I was ready to have kids. So we got to it and got pregnant right away and bought a house and um, had a beautiful baby boy and um, everything was great. And then we came home to our new house that we had purchased and um, we were just like enjoying family and friends and we heard a noise and well, he didn't hear the noise, but those of us who were there heard this loud noise and he was killed instantly um, when a straight bullet came through our back window and hit him. Basically, the second he stood up, it was it's like a one in affinity. I think the um, the cops said um, for it to hit him. Basically, you couldn't even make that shot if you were trying to. Um, it was a convicted felon who was living in a house that was over 200 yards behind us. And he was a drunk, drug addict. We lived in a really nice neighborhood. So it wasn't like we lived in some, you know, mm-hmm. bad neighborhood with bad people. Um, he was just the only one that happened to be there and said he was playing with his guns that day. And um, the bullet managed to find Justin at the very moment that he stood up and he was killed instantly. So that was how I became a widow. It was three days after my son was born. And, you know, as you can imagine, 
you know, I was devastated, you know, devastated doesn't come close to describing how those moments after he died were and that for a couple of years, I would say just, um, life was really, really hard. Well, I, I, I mean, how old was Justin? He was 33. 33 so young and and Jack's your son was just three days old wow and and the trauma from from being there and observing that you know that's huge isn't it and then there's obviously the loss of your husband which is huge and then there is being a a a mum a new mum I mean that is a crazy time in our lives as well isn't it so you know all those three things together you must have just like you say there's probably no words to describe what was going on for you no I mean it was just layers upon layers of grief and darkness and yeah the trauma is a kind of a separate thing um, cause I think we all go through somewhat of a trauma when we lose a spouse. I do believe that. Um, but I think that kind of trauma where, you know, life is just suddenly changed in an instant. And for me in particular, life was as great as it could be, you know, mm-hmm. here you are, you just had a child and for, for it to make that sudden change when you've let your guard down nonetheless, because when you're in the hospital, you have a baby, you're still kind of like on high alert and all that, but we were home, you know, we were ready to just enjoy life. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a major journey to get to to where I'm at today. So. So how did you navigate those first few sort of weeks, months? Did you, you know, you sort of picked up by the people around you and, and supported in that way? Yes. Um, I have such an amazing support system. I'm very close with my parents. Um, I moved in with them. So we picked up my stuff and went straight to my parents' house. I think when the paramedics came, because they they were called, um, even though he was gone already, um, they gave me some type of a sedative. I was very, very out of control physically. And they were worried I was going to hurt myself. And I had just had a child three days prior. So, um, I was just kind of like a zombie, I would say, for the rest of that day, um, thanks to some type of medication. And then um, after that, it was just this blur of people coming in and out of the house, of my parents' house, because that's where we went. And I mean, I remember we pulled up to my parents' house, which was like two miles away from my house. It looked like there was like football parties, is what I say, because it was like, cars and cars and cars just like piled everywhere down Mm. the street. And so it was like all these people and it was like, what are these people doing here? Mm. So, I mean, they didn't, they didn't go away, you know, for days and days, just crowds of people that, you know, either grew up with us or knew my family or whatever. So it was just kind of a blur of that. Um, And they were the last people I wanted to see, but obviously it was probably good because I just had all these people kind of coming, you know, to my assistance. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just so much for you to process and, and work through. Absolutely. So what, what do you think was the, the biggest support for you in those, those early days and, and months? I know you moved back to your parents, but 
what gave you the the strength I suppose to keep going because obviously you've got a, a newborn as well to look after was there something within you that drove you forward or was it something externally oh absolutely it was 100% being a mom mm. um I I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have my son um there was a moment where I I, I wanted to breastfeed. I was really, really passionate before having my son that oh, I've got to breastfeed. This breast is best, nothing against formula or anything, you know, for other yeah. people. But for me personally, that was just really important to me. And, um, there was, it was really hard, you know, it, Jax was not an easy baby. He cried a lot, but, um, I said, this is what I'm going to do you know, I am here. I I am the only one who can provide this food for my child. So I, I tell people that nursing, you know, is what got me through the first month of widowhood. And that was what I really devoted all my efforts to. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got to have something, haven't you, that kind of keeps you going, something to hold on to. to to keep you taking those steps forward because it is just so very hard so how long after this happened Justin died did you decide to start dating again um I started dating probably it was probably about 15 16 months later so like a little over a year and a half or right at a year and a half um and um it was just this curiosity I had mm-hmm. I kind of had it, you know, all throughout that first year, I was just so young and Justin was my one and only. And, you know, I thought, well, I was really good at being married and I was really happy and I really enjoyed it, you know, and I really also wanted a, a father figure for my child. That was a major part of me wanting to find love again. Um, so I just had all those thoughts and I thought this might be fun, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, Hey, here's, this is my life. I might as well have fun. Like, so, you know, some of it was fun and some of it was not, but, um, that was, I think curiosity was just the first step. So like how, how long before you actually decided to, to, to go and actively date how long before that did you start to have those thoughts of do you know I I was good at it I liked it I'd like a father figure I'd like to meet someone else how long before it did that happen it was less than a year I mean Mm. it was really less than a year I don't remember exactly but I know I hadn't seen my my one year anniversary yet and you know um I was attracted to other people you know and I felt bad and wrong for feeling that way. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't understand it. And, um, I I think it, I think I, one thing that I think widows can understand, but I think if you're not a widow, you really don't get the fact that, well, not even just a widow, but when you've gone through such a profound loss that time just slows down. Mm -hmm. So it had been six months. And to me, it felt like it had been two years, you know, so all this time in my brain had passed, even though physically it hadn't. Yes. So I think that's, that's kind of how it was for me. 
it's really strange isn't it the the time thing the the effect it, it has and and like you say like I've really noticed that sometimes it and especially in those early raw days of grief it you know five minutes felt like a day didn't it and it, you know a day feels like a week and you're just sort of trudging through treacle thinking oh my god this is so slow but then there's other times when you're taken right back aren't you and it and it feels like it all happened yesterday and it has a really bizarre effect on time I think and and how we feel in time and what it does for us but I certainly hear you on the the slowing down of it I mean that was that was huge and and actually painful it felt like you know it's just prolonging all the pain all the time and it was so hard Mm. absolutely I came up with one silver lining and that was that I got to have a baby for longer oh you know so it's like oh he's only a week old like (laughs) oh my gosh I feel like he's been here for two months yes yeah absolutely well done yeah you've got a you've got a somewhere in that all of that try and find some good haven't you a hundred percent so how was that first date that you went on it was not good. No, um, no. It was a, someone I met on, on like a, an app. He was this majorly country guy. He drove three hours to take me on a date. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I would not date anyone in my area because I was so embarrassed. Oh. Um, and so I was like, if somebody wants to date me, they're gonna have to drive to where I'm at. So he took me to, we went and met at a Dave and Buster's. I don't know if you know what a Dave and Buster's no. is. It's a, um, it's a restaurant where you play video games and okay. you eat food and you drink like it's <laughs> for kids and adults, whatever. And so it was fine. You know, I had a lot of confidence. I don't know where that confidence came from, but I was feeling really confident. I had just lost a lot of baby weight and um, you know, it was like, we hadn't been there five minutes and he, he, I don't know how it came up that I was a widow, but it did. And then he just wanted to start asking me questions. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is the last thing I want to talk about on a date. Um, and um, yeah, he wasn't my type. Yeah. I ghosted yeah. him the next day. <laughs> I felt so bad, but you know, I got it out of my system. So it was good, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, did you tell anyone? Cause you said you felt bad about, being seen out locally did you did people know you were going on a date just my parents I was living with my parents so they were the only people who knew they were (laughs) my mom was all with you know part of me setting up my profile and my dating profile she was all into it (laughs) (laughs) yeah we were like best friends so yeah but that was it I didn't tell anybody not even my friends oh bless so how did you work through that that shame and that guilt I just slowly but surely did. Um, I think the more I did it, the more I realized, like, what what are you ashamed of? Like, you haven't done anything wrong. Justin's not coming back. You were, you know, 100% devoted to him while he was here. You know, never even looked at another man when he Mm. was here. Mm. And um, it was something I just kind of had to come to terms with myself. But I did go to therapy and I did work, work through the therapy with these feelings and thoughts. And I do think that that helped a lot as well. 
Yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's really tough, isn't it? Because, you know, we feel we judge ourselves, we feel like other people are judging us, and we're betraying our person, mm-hmm. don't we? And yeah. and I think you're right. There's that kind of we we have to do the thing to become comfortable with it and I you can overthink it and overanalyze it and talk yourself out of it but actually by doing it and being in it it just it becomes more normal it feels more natural doesn't it and and we we kind of make our peace with it slowly but surely absolutely I think that's a great way of looking at it for sure mm-hmm. so how long sort of into your 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 dating days was it that you met your your now your husband you're now remarried aren't you to, to Don um how long did it take you to meet him I if I did the math I could figure it out but I think it was right about like five or six months okay yeah and was yeah. that on a, I was really like almost at the two year mark when I started seeing Don. Yes. Yeah. And how did you meet him? So I've known Don for a long time. I've known him. Um, when we started dating, I probably had known him for eight years, but we weren't like friends. We were like acquaintances mm-hmm. and we used to work together at this place, this restaurant back in the day called Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. And he was a bartender and I used to wait tables. And then I also used to sing there with Justin. Um, and so he was just some guy I thought was really nice. And um, I remember thinking like he had this girlfriend who broke up with him. And I remember thinking, what a horrible person. Like, why would she break up with Don? He's like the nicest person ever. You know, I just thought he was a great guy. And I always thought like, I hope he finds somebody to make him happy and that was really the extent of our relationship. We were Facebook friends and um, I bumped into him one day at a, at a restaurant when I was out with my friends and this thought came over me where I was like, Don's really cute, you know? And I thought, I wonder if he's single. And I asked my friend who was like a mutual friend and he was actually taken at the time, but um, not long after that, his girlfriend like cheated on him and broke his heart and he had just bought them a house. It was like this big mess for him. And so she texted me when I was on tour with my band and she's like, guess who's single. And uh, it was Dawn. And so she set us up kind of, we went on this group date and yeah, the two of us, like we were super attracted to each other. Um, And then he asked me out like that, that next day he asked me out and we started seeing each other yeah so lovely and it's so I think it's so nice isn't it because for me dating was always quite hard you know when you meet someone that you don't know and you've got no links to and nobody you know knows them it just it feels a little bit kind of disjointed doesn't it because you never quite know and it it's a bit scary but when you meet someone that you either have known or you know people that know them it's just a little bit more reassuring isn't it Absolutely. And I think for me too, and anyone who's any widow, you know, that has to, to date, like you don't want to have to go through that whole process of sharing your story and doing all that, like not when you're in that situation. So it was just so nice for me. I knew he knew my story. Um, I mean, I just assumed he knew my story because anyone who lived within, you know, 200 yards of where I lived knew my story. Yeah. Um, so it just took all that pressure away, yeah. Yeah. you know, 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, how, I mean, your son was probably about two then, I take it. Um, yeah, he wasn't yeah. two yet when we started dating and Don was at his second birthday party. So. Oh, oh, wow. So, so you introduced them quite quickly. Um, it, it was probably about two months. I think we had been seeing each other and then I let him, yeah. well, I, he came over one night and Jax woke up in the middle of the night and Don was sleeping over and, oh, and that's he, had to, he, he had to be introduced to the, to the child by me bringing Jax into the bed with me. Oh, how did that go? Is that weird? I remember thinking, this is either going to be a moment where he's going to leave yeah, or he's going to stay. And this is, this could be like a huge moment in our relationship because we hadn't been seeing each other very long, but that's a big deal. And, um, he stayed and he wrapped his arms around me and the mm-hmm. Jax was, you know, right here. And then Dom was behind me and it Absolutely. was a, yeah, it was definite yeah. moment where I was like, okay, maybe this guy might be you know someone I might could see a future with so that's so lovely and 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 how how was Jax with that was was he okay oh yeah I mean he was just a you know he was almost you know almost two so he was just a baby at that point so he you know I was very cautious about I didn't he Don's the only one I ever he ever met um Yeah. yeah and so you know Jax started you know I think he first called Don dad by accident when he was three, you know. Oh, and, and does he call him dad now? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Does he? Oh, yeah. and, and you, I, I take it you're absolutely happy with that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, even early on, I remember him accidentally calling Don dad because we, we called him Don in front of Jax. But I just remember it it made me feel really awkward, but it also kind of made me feel like really happy. Yeah. You know, cause I wanted that for him. You know, I wanted yeah. him to be able to call someone dad. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So how, how do you keep Justin alive for him? Uh, for Jax, I, mm. I mean, just all the typical stuff, you know, we talk about Justin all the time. There's pictures of Justin all around the house. Um, we always have a birthday party for Justin, um, on his birthday. Um, we go visit the grave at least maybe five to eight times a year. It really depends. I mean, I go a little bit more than that, but just, uh, Jax goes with me that many times. Um, show him pictures, talk, tell stories about him, you know, Mm -hmm. just everything we can do. And how do you think he is? you know because he was obviously so young mm-hmm. how is he now I mean he, it sounds like he clearly feels very safe and secure in in the family that you have now do you think it's impacted him we are starting to see Jacks get impacted by it all mm-hmm. now recently um he asks you know well recently he asked you know is daddy Don my stepdad or is he my dad and that was like a big question we hadn't got from him, you know? And so, you know, we had to be honest with him. I was like, well, technically he's your stepdad because your birth father is daddy, Justin, but we don't think of him that way because you don't have a, you know, an earthly father. Um, 
but he's he is very protective of dawn um you know father's day was just yesterday and you know he wanted to go to the grave but we had just gone two days ago because two days ago was justin's death anniversary and i was like i don't think we're gonna go today you know we just went two days and he was like well i really wanted to which i was kind of surprised and i was like okay well maybe we'll go today um but then he you know wants to turn to dawn and say daddy i don't want that to hurt your feelings you know, so he's very conscious about trying to, he's very interested in Justin, but he sure loves his daddy, Don. Um, and that's what we, when we're referring to them, we refer to them as daddy, Justin or daddy, Don. Mm. So we can distinguish between the two. Yeah. Real sort of conflict of emotions there for him. And he's, he doesn't, he's worried about upsetting Don with, with maybe wanting to know more about Justin and, and, and involve him in in your lives um do you think there's an element because I, I know you're due to have a, you know another baby aren't you very soon with with Don is is that a little bit unsettling for Jack do you think I think that that's what's bringing up all these questions and these emotions because you know technically technically Sloan that's what we're naming her will be um Jax's half sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we don't like to use those kind of terms, you know, um, it's just her, she's just his sister, but I think that, you know, that's kind of what triggered all of this for him. Um, because he, you know, he was wondering, he was like, well, she's going to have a different dad than me, you know? And, and I was like, well, you know, biologically, yes, but you know, not, not in the world, you know, in the world, he's still your dad. So definitely, mm. you know, especially after eight years, he's been an only child and now mm. he's going to have a sister. Mm. So. Yeah. Big change, isn't it? Big change and, and, and change is scary for them, isn't it? R- regardless of what's gone on in their lives, it's huge. Definitely. It's a lot for them to process. So how do you think it has been for Don then dating a widow? I think that it has been um a lot (laughs) um he he knew what he was getting into when he started dating me um and he's loved every second of it but you know it hasn't you know come without challenges that you know he never had to face before or there's just a lot of, uh, the way I describe it is there's just a lot of griefiness, you know, um, still, and a lot of a trauma. I have post-traumatic stress disorder from what happened and I've worked really hard to get to a healthy state of mind. Um, but it still affects me, you know? So Don is just like, he's had to navigate just so much, you know, and he was never been married before you know, no kids of his own. So he was just, you know, a bachelor for life and, um, got thrown into this father, you know, husband role right away and let alone, you know, a a widow. So, um, I'd say like, you have to be a special person. Like, I really do believe that like anyone who marries a widow or widower, you know, anyone who lost a partner where that person was, part of their heart you know um 
you have to really, really be a humble person and a special person and, and not have to compare and, and feel insecure and all of that. And Don is just all of those things. Like he just, you know, it doesn't mean that he hasn't had his share of, you know, personal, you know, challenges or issues through throughout it because he has, he's human, but he's really taken it all just with stride. And, you know, he works, you know, to always be that person that we rely on and, you know, he wants to honor Justin too. So Mm. that's important to him. Yeah. And I think you're right. It does take somebody incredibly special to date a widow, to have the, the, the patience, I think, the compassion, the understanding, the ability to allow there to be a third person essentially in, in the relationship, not physically, obviously, but that, you know, our, our person is there. They, they are with us, aren't they, all the time? And we want that. We want to take that person forward. Do you think Don ever felt like he had to fill Justin's shoes? I do. I think that he has felt like that. Um, you know, Don, Don moved to Florida. I live in Florida and Don moved from New York city, not New York city. He, he moved from, um, upstate New York, um, to Florida in his, when, when he was in his twenties. And so he's been Floridian for 20 years. And so I've grown up here. Um, so it's very different for him, you know, coming into another area. Um, and so he doesn't have like all these, like, you know, friends he grew up with and, you know, this whole life that he built from the time he was young, like I do. So he is very much immersed in my life. Um, so it's, it's my life. And, you know, that he, you know, he still has his life before me, but it's not as much of the way mine is. So, um, you know, that was a lot, you know, he just, you know, he, he feels very, um, you know, honored to be a part of it all. And, you know, he feels, you know, all of my friends now are friends with him. That was Justin's friends and they just adore him. And, you know, he feels this profound responsibility to, you know, live up to, you know, this person Justin was, you know, because Justin was this, I know we all say that about our spouse, but Justin was an incredible person. He really, Mm -hmm. really was. And, um, you know, Don is so different than Justin, but he is just as much of an incredible person in a different his own unique way. Mm-hmm. Did you find it difficult making space to, to love two people? Cause you kind of, you're married, you lose your husband, you, you sort of navigate your way through the grief and you think, okay, I think I might be ready to, to date someone else, but you don't really know what that looks like and what that feels like. And, you know, if I meet someone else, does that mean I have to stop loving my person that died? And, like you, you're not quite sure how it fits and, and how it works. So for you, how did you find that kind of falling in love with, with someone yet still loving someone else? Yeah, I, um, I never considered like letting go of Justin. Hmm. 
I kept my, my widow name is what I call it. Um, and it was, you know, as soon as Justin was gone, I said, you know, or, you know, I'm not as soon, but when I just decided to start dating, I said, well, whoever I, you know, end up with is just going to have to get over it. Like, mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to settle for someone who didn't let me keep that in my life. It was that important to me. And I knew that I could find someone who would like, I just had a lot of confidence about it. And I, um, I just made a reel about this actually. Like, I, I truly believe like you've got to have confidence in yourself. You know, you are a very, um, valuable person and you were in a happy marriage before. And there's a lot to be said about that, you know, and, you can offer that same value to someone else's life, you know, and I had to think of them, uh, of me as the, um, the catch, yeah. you know? Um, mm-hmm. and that's, that's how I, I started viewing myself and my, once my perspective changed, you know, because in the beginning I was like, Oh, I'm just this broken, you know, widow and nobody's going to want me. And, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I really think it's an inner confidence that you have to find. Do you know, I can totally and utterly relate to that because personally for me, when I started dating, like you've just said, I kind of thought, well, who's going to want me? You, you know, I'm, I'm a bit broken. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with my grief. I miss my husband. I'm always going to miss my husband. I've got two kids and it, it's tough. It's kind of had this impact on me. And who's going to want to take all that on? Because no, then I thought, well, I wouldn't want to take all that on. I wouldn't want to go out and start dating a widow that had two kids and feel like I had to fit in. So I had this quite a negative like thought on, on who I would end up with and who would want me. And I really, like through my own coaching journey and what I love teaching people now in the groups that I hold is that you you are the value you, you know if someone is lucky enough to to capture your attention then they are incredibly lucky because to your point you know we we're good people we loved our person we were good wives we we you know we kept our vows and until until death do us part and I know that's really rubbish but you know I'm proud of that I'm proud of that because I, I think that's something to be proud of and you know, I think what we've been through has such an impact on who we become. It shapes us in a, in a huge way, doesn't it? We've become so much more compassionate. I think we have greater self-awareness, greater understanding of ourselves, of the world. We have much more gratitude for life and, and wanting to go out there and make the best of it and, and do what we can to make it as meaningful as we can. And you're right. It's, allowing yourself to see that isn't it and really accept that so that you know that if somebody out there is lucky enough to capture your attention then then they're the lucky ones and we have to we have to see that and really feel that within don't we but it's not it's not easy to do oh gosh no um it's definitely something that you have to you have to come to that realization yourself you know Mm -hmm. nobody can get you there Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I tell people like, you know, it, it starts in inside of you first, you know, and even a lot of widows that I talk to that are, I mean, 
I would not go back. You know, I, I would not go back backwards, you know, to just that devastating first three or four years is really what I call it. Um, but really the first two years is just mm-hmm. right. It's just the mm-hmm. worst. And, um, I wish I could give them my perspective and, and just give it to them, you know, now, but unfortunately that's not the way it works. You know, they're going to have to come to it on their own, but I really do try to tell them like, you have to, like, you have to believe you can be happy again. Like Mm -hmm. once you believe it and once you decide, okay, like, I do want to be happy. I don't want to just be crying every day and, you know, sad every single day. Um, you know, it starts there. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. what I, I really wish more people would grab onto. Yeah. And, and again, it's something I talk about a lot in, in, in my program, because I think we will, we, we, we kind of what we focus our our energy on you know that's what grows isn't it essentially and if if we believe that we can be happy again we will see possibilities and we will see opportunities because our brain wants to to prove our thoughts right doesn't it it's always going to look for evidence to back up what we're thinking however if we're thinking that you know our lives are over our best days are behind us and we're never going to be happy again we're always going to be looking for evidence to back that up and we will find it because you can find evidence for both but which one's going to make you feel better you know and it is really shifting that the way you look at things isn't it really and allowing yourself to to open your heart and your mind to those those opportunities and those possibilities but it it has to be at the right time in your journey doesn't it and yeah and everybody comes to comes to it at a different point in their lives I feel like I kind of fell on my like realization accidentally you know Mm -hmm. I had like a um a good day I just had a good day with my son when he was like 18 months old um and uh, it was Christmas time and he just was loving the lights and all of this. And I was just like, oh, this is so much fun, you know? And I just, I realized it was the, it, in 18 months, I realized it was the first time I didn't cry. Mm. You know, it was the first day I had yeah. gone from beginning to end and not cried. And then I cried, yes. of course, because then I'm like, oh, I didn't cry. Yes, yes. And that was the day where I thought, I actually had a good, a really good day today. And I, I enjoyed that. I love that. Know? Yeah. And I just really wanted to grab onto it. And that was like a decision I made. Like, I'm really tired of being sad yeah. all the time. I know that having a good day doesn't mean that you no longer love Justin or, or grieve him or anything. And I think sometimes there's that fear, isn't there? That if we allow ourselves to have a good day or some fun or some joy in our lives, that, that, that means something really terrible, but it doesn't, it, it's the duality of it, isn't it? And the, the two can live side by side, but again, it's almost like you've got to experience it and feel it for yourself to, to know it and fully understand it, but just allowing yourself to, to feel that you kind of touched on earlier about Don feeling sometimes like he has to, to, to fill Justin's shoes. How do you reassure him that that that's not the case that does he sometimes have a kind of an idealized version of, of Justin that yes, he was an incredible man, but he was still a human and, you know, he had his ways. 
do, do you do you discuss all sorts of parts of, of Justin to keep him real so that Don doesn't feel like there's this like perfect Absolutely. person he's got to live up to? Absolutely. I love to share the intimate stories of me and Justin's relationship with Don, um, particularly because Don was never married before. And so I was, and I'm, I bring a lot of experience to the table, 10 years of marriage, you know? Um, And so I love to, you know, especially, you know, I, in the beginning, I'll be honest, it's hard for you to not be like, well, Justin did this or Justin did that, you know, because, you know, there's things that your person did that, you would, you know, that was so wonderful and great, but then, you know, they're not perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. Me and Justin, you know, Justin had a temper mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, I like to, if, if Don does something so patiently that Justin might have, you know, gotten so mad about if he's trying to fix something or whatever. Um, I like to tell Don, you know, like, I really like the way you did that. Like, it was so peaceful. Like, thank you. Like, (laughs) and he loves hearing about it. You know, he really does. And I think that that really helps, like you said, with that, um, uh, God mentality, you know, people have of this person who, who's passed because we know they were not perfect, you know, especially me, I was married to the guy. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy kind of pointing out some of the things that Don, you know, does very well, you know, and he likes to hear about it. So, yeah, it's important, isn't it? I think to keep our person real, like, yes, not, because I, you know, I really believe that if we idealize our person so much and we put them on this pedestal where they are perfect, they are unreachable, we're almost then setting ourselves up for that. Well, we're never going to meet anyone as good. And, and it's not like you're trying to, but, you know, if you've created this perfect person in your mind that didn't exist because nobody is perfect, you're going to find it really hard, aren't you, to to, to go yeah. on and, and accept somebody else for, for, for what they are, warts and all. And I, I think it's important to, to keep our person alive for everything that they were and they weren't and the, the good and the bad and the ugly, because that's, that's life, isn't it? I mean, you talked a bit there about comparing um and and at the beginning thinking oh you know Justin didn't do that or you know I speak to a lot of people and they say oh you never compare you shouldn't do it it's really bad and and yeah in an ideal world (laughs) we shouldn't ever judge we shouldn't compare we shouldn't do a lot of things but we're human right and it's like I think personally it's it's quite natural if you can catch yourself doing it and go or you know maybe that that's not very fair but do you feel it's it's quite natural that that's kind of you you know when you've lost one person you're trying to build a relationship with someone else how do you not compare do you know not not think about your person versus your new one I think that it's just not realistic you know to say, I'm going to come into this new relationship and I'm never going to compare. I mean, it's like, we're human, you know, we compare, we, we compare everything, you know, I wish we didn't. And I, I am someone who works hard at trying to not compare by, by saying, 
why do I need to compare? You know, why do, why do I need to do this? But definitely when you have been married to someone and then you, you know, I think, I think it's probably like that with divorce too. I mean, I've never been divorced, but I would think, you know, if you've been in, in a marriage and you've been divorced, you, you, there were still good things about it. I'm sure, I'm sure it's harder to see those good things as in when you're widowed. Um, but it's just natural. And I think that we've got to just give ourselves grace and just say like, I mean, I compared, so what I compared today now, tomorrow I'm going to try to compare less. Um, and just don't beat yourself up about it. And I think where it can be toxic is if you live in that comparison, you know, if you're just like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to make a, what's the a pros and cons list. You know, <laughs> yes. and if there's more pros, then I'll, this, this person's right for me. You know, I mean, it's like, we can't do that. Um, <laughs> you know, we have to just find the person that's right for us, you know, outside of comparison. Um, yeah. And when we do compare, just, you know, Check go with yourself. it. Yeah. Just <laughs> go with it and be like, realize like, okay, I shouldn't have done that. Now let's move on. And I think it's good as well. Cause to, to your point, you know, you do find yourself comparing and as you know, your, your, your new person can act in a way that maybe irritates you a bit that you'll think, Oh, they, you know, my other husband, <laughs> late husband wouldn't have done that. But then you can, then, you, you know, for me, I check myself in terms of, yeah, okay it works that way but it also works the other way you, you know like there's there's things that Andy my now partner does that Simon wouldn't have done but it's a lot better a bit like doing something without losing their temper and <laughs> causing yeah. absolute mayhem and chaos and me and the girls have to leave the house because we're worried <laughs> yeah, totally, about totally. flying hammers yeah <laughs> like Don um Don is such a chivalrous guy mm. So he gets me flowers all the time and, you know, he's very romantic. Justin wasn't really a romantic guy, yeah, yeah. Um, but Justin was like, Justin idolized me, Aww. you know? Um, and so, you know, Don yeah. idolizes me, but not in the way that Justin did. Different. So it's just different. Yeah. And so I have to realize like, well, I'm getting this really, really great quality from Don that Justin didn't really have. You yes. know what I mean? And yeah. I, I really enjoy that, you know, yeah. and I got the, the other really great quality from Justin. So it's yeah. almost like you get to have all the confidence of, you know, both. Yes. And you might as well just enjoy what confidence they gave you. you I know? love that. I love that. How do you manage your, your grief in front of Don? You, you know, do you, I mean that I find that quite difficult um, because for me personally, I know Andy wants to make it all better for me when I'm having a griefy day and he can't. And then I feel a little bit guilty sometimes about sort of crying and then being upset and saying, I really miss Simon in front of Andy because it's not your, your, your normal kind of situation, is it? It's getting better. We're getting more used to it. How do you manage that? Yeah, I, I'm like... Um... I mean, I think that I will display my grief in front of Don, but I don't like to cram it down his throat. You know, um, I'm like, I know it's so funny. You probably think it's funny that I say this, but I'm actually very private with my grief. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a very public figure online with it. But when it comes to 
internally and my grief and the sadness and all that, that I carry, um, I don't share it like that openly. So I usually will go behind closed doors and experience it, you know, and then I'll come out. Um, now, obviously like Don, you know, you can't hide it from somebody all the time and I don't try to hide it. I just try to be private with it just because that's how I feel about it. Um, but you know, if I've ever had like a very public, you know, like moment or whatever, you know, I, I really love that. Like Don actually doesn't try to make it feel, doesn't try to make it better because he knows he can't make it better. Um, and he tries to be there for me, but he doesn't try to smother me. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice. And in the beginning, when he, when he went about it that way, I was kind of like, shouldn't you be like doting on me? Like, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, but now, um, I really prefer it. I actually like it because Mm -hmm. I get to kind of have that separation Mm -hmm. and, um, it's kind of nice, you know, if I want him to be in this grief moment with me, then I invite him in. Um, you know, I just tell him like, I need you right now. Like I need you to talk to Mm -hmm. me about this or I need, you know, we have to Mm -hmm. tell Mm -hmm. ladies, like we have to tell these guys what we need. They are not mind readers. You know, we have to remember that. (laughs) Yeah, we really, we really do. Cause it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Very difficult. And, and I, I, I get it because I think I'm the same. Obviously Andy will see me upset because it's hard to, to hide it, but I do like to, to do my grief on my own. I like to connect with Simon on my own. I like to do something that allows me to connect to him and have my moment and feel what I'm feeling with, without being watched, observed, <laughs> just helped it's in like any embarrassing way. or something. Like, I know that's weird, yeah. but like, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like you're so on display, yes. you know, and it's like, I don't want you to see me this vulnerable. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to do it my way. I want to do my thing. That's the last thing I wanted to touch on with you was the, the, the parenting side of things. Cause obviously, you know, Justin isn't here for Jackson. I know he was very young um, when his dad died. How do you feel about Don disciplining Jax? Like, I guess because he was so much younger, has that, have you found that quite an easy transition or have you felt quite protective over Jackson and, and that's not an area you're, you're happy with Don sort of going into? How's that been for you? So Don, from the very beginning, always waited for me to give him the green light when it came to anything with Jax. Um, he did not even hold Jax until I said, I looked at him one day and I was like, you've never held Jax before. And he's like, mm. no, I haven't. You know, and I'm like, here. <laughs> so um, from the beginning, you know, he's he's let me take the lead. Um, and so, you know, we've been we've been together seeing each other for like six years now, married for three. Um, and, you know, in the beginning, yes, I was very protective, you know, and Don was very like kind of hands off. Um, now that Jax is getting older, you know, I've even heard myself saying, wait till your father gets home. Love it. <laughs> you know, um, I realized like, well, I'm not a solo parent anymore, so I shouldn't have to solo parent. Um, Dawn is a very respectful, 
you know, guy. Um, so he, he does get to, to be a disciplinary for mm-hmm. Jack. And I gave him that right. You know, mm-hmm. I said, when we get married, you're 100% his dad. Um, you, you get just as much, you know, parental rights as me. I mean, of course that's not true. I still have like, you know, I'm still kind of the, the head. Top you know, dog. <laughs> yeah. I'm the top dog. Like he knows, like when it comes to making decisions or whatever, like he looks to me, you know, mm-hmm. he gives me that respect because he knows that, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I invited him into this. Um, yeah. but it is important to me that we feel like equals, yes. you know, um, yeah. And I think the dynamic's going to be different now that we're having a child together. Yes. Um, so it's going to be, life's about to change again for me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Does that bring up grief for you? Oh, absolutely. This whole pregnancy has been wrapped with grief um, from, you know, we tried for three years to have a baby. And so there's infertility and we had a miscarriage. So there's that grief. Um, and then just going through the whole pregnancy and, and it's weird, but like the, the time of year is so similar. Um, Jax was, was due on June 8th. This baby is due on July 8th. So I'm just like, like putting the nursery together. That was really triggering for me because I never got to use my nursery before. So I have like, my PTSD has been, you know, Mm. knocking me hard lately, but it's just like a, like, you got to like remind yourself, like, this is different. Life is different. Like it's not, you know, all going to end up sad. And it, it's had an impact on Jax too, because yeah. he's, he's asked us, is daddy Dawn going to die when baby Sloan's born? You know, he's just, he's got that child mentality. He doesn't understand that that's not the way it works, but he just has, you know, it's a legitimate fear, you know, that he has. And um, yeah, it's really sad to see like him ask those kinds of kinds of questions um but yeah it's definitely been tough definitely it's huge isn't it and I can only imagine that you know when you've had your daughter and you get to day three that that it'd be like oh my god this happened at this time and it's it's that that time frame thing again isn't it and it it does it's it's, again it's the duality of it you're going to be very happy but also there's going to be that that background grief um that may not be in the in the background but yeah hard oh yeah I mean there's always going to be that grief there mm-hmm. um but um and I do think that I'm very aware you know of it all and I'm just like going into it I'm like what is it going to be like mm-hmm. you know what's it going to be like to have a child and be able to come home and oh you're still here yeah. you know um yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's all been very, um, a friend of mine said, it's like, you're, you're living in cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said mm-hmm. like, you're going through the same cycle you went through eight years later and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the fear is legit, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it does. It, it all comes back to the surface, doesn't it? What, what for you do you think has been your, your biggest, learning through all of this that you know maybe about life about yourself um what what do you think it's it's given to you your experience um 
my experience has like taught me that obviously, you know, life is so short. I mean, that's just a huge one. I know that's cliche, but um, it's true. Um, I just appreciate every day. And I, I really feel like I love deeper. Um, I, you know, it's like the love I feel for my child um, you know, I am almost in tears every day telling him how much I love him, you know, yeah. and just the little moments, I don't take them for granted. And I feel like we just get so busy in life and it just passes us right by. Mm. And I think that's one thing I've really learned from all of this is like, we really have to cherish, you know, the time we do have together. And, um, even though I've been through, you know, something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, you know, it's taught me a lot about mm -hmm. life and it mm -hmm. has made me a better person. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Richer in many ways. I know, I know exactly what you mean. What advice would you give, I guess, you know, if you could go back from where you are now and, and go back and give, that, that newly widowed Jess and those those first sort of months of that raw widowhood or, or even in the first couple of years like you say because they're really hard aren't they that what would you go back and, and say to her now that might help her that you know other widows listening to this today could could maybe take away from it I mean I, I really think that and I did hear someone's I try to tell this to other widows as I try to say I know how it feels to, to feel utterly hopeless. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that feeling like, I know you see me now and you think there's no way she, she was as sad as me. And it's like, I promise you, like I was, I was dark, really dark. Um, so I feel like I wish I could share just that perspective of like, it's not always going to be so dark. You know what I mean? Like, there will be light again. I mm. promise. Like as long as you are willing to let it in, you know, because I do believe that some people really want to turn their grief into their identity. I know some people who have, mm. um, and once, once that's, that's all who, once that's, that's you, um, there's no room for anything else and there's no room for happiness anymore. And, um, you really have to be willing to let in joy again. Um, and that's what I wish that they could understand is like when, when the moment comes to you, you know, it's, it's going to come to you. Um, you're human and you're, you're going to have a smile again. Mm. Um, and when it does just let it in, you know, mm. don't push it away. Um, because once you push enough of them away, you know, they, they might not be coming, those happy moments might not be coming. So, you know, so yeah. quickly in the future. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think it is possible, isn't it? To, to love, grieve and honor your person and live a life that you can fill with joy, happiness, good times, precious moments, and, and a lot of love. But it is giving yourself permission, I suppose, isn't it? Opening your heart and your mind to that. 
So what do you do now, Jess? Like, do you, do you support people? I know you're absolutely incredible on on um, Instagram with your with your reels and, and everything that you offer there. But what support do you offer people beyond that? Um, I would love to do like a coaching program. I haven't quite got there yet. Um, it's just because um, it's just something I want to make sure I'm adequately prepared for. Um, I was working with widows a lot and helping them like with their writing and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I do that, but I'm getting too busy to do that, unfortunately. So um, mm. as far as like a career goes, like I, um, I really, you know, create content um, and, then, and then I do do some like individual like social media coaching and stuff and that kind of thing. Cause that's just, that's the creative side of me. Um, I still sing every now and then. Um, if the, you know, the gig is right or, or whatever, (laughs) but I don't do that. Um, like I used to, that was like my livelihood back in the day. Um, and then, so yeah, I would love to start a coaching program. Um, I'm about to start working with a platform called circles, um, where I'm going to be leading like a panel. Um, and it's going to be like a grief panel and I'll be kind of the moderator. So I'm going to start doing that on a weekly basis and I'm writing a book. (laughs) My book is like, I'm writing two books, but my, um, I I call it like my self-help book because it's more of my advice book. Um, I'm one chapter away from being done with that. And my goal was to have it done before the baby came and it just didn't happen. Um, so that's going to be like my major like focus after the baby comes to finally get that book out there published, ready to go. Because I have so many widows that contact me and I wish I could just go here. I wrote it all for you. And it's just, you know, here's all the, all of my top advice, you know? Yes. So that's what it is. It's really kind of a memoir slash advice kind of book. It's a, it's a hybrid between the two. Um, Mm. so yeah watch this space lots coming I love it (laughs) no that's been brilliant Jess thank you so much for opening your heart and and sharing your story with us and you know I'm, I'm just so happy for you that you are here where you are happily married with a a new baby about to to come into your lives very soon which is very exciting though I know you know it will bring up the grief for you as well um but you're in safe hands you're clearly very loved and very well looked after so I wish you all the best Thank I hope you. it goes well can't wait to see the pictures which I'm sure you'll you'll show us <laughs> in due course and and yeah really look forward to your book and and any coaching and and all that you do in the future you'll be brilliant because I know you help people in so many ways so thank you thank you so much for your time Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today on The Widow Podcast. If you would like to find out more about how I can help you, please visit my website, www.karensutton.co.uk. I would love to help you find your way forward to a brighter future. So get in touch, let's have a conversation and let's help you take back control and find a more positive way through your grief. I look forward to hearing from you.